0: Amen. I've been ministering on healing, and I believe that a lot of people have been getting sent free. We've had some tremendous testimonies, some great things happening. Uh, Melinda shared with us last night about uh, one of our prayer ministers that prayed with a person with Parkinson's. And the person with Parkinson's was, what, running or walking around here? and, And awesome things happening, and we've been seeing great things happen. You know, the thing that blesses me the most is when I teach other people how to believe, and they receive because I I don't I don't know if I don't know if this is uh, natural because I'm getting older I don't know if it's because I've grown in the Lord or what but you know what I'm just realizing that uh, you know I've got an end to my course I'm not going to be here forever and we've got to teach other people how to believe you can't build things all around yourself we've got to get other people. And this is the whole point behind our Bible schools is trying to train up faithful men and women who will be able to teach others. So right now, the thing that really excites me isn't when I pray for a person and see them healed, although I still love to see that. I love to see other people get hold of the truth. We had a woman come up to me out there this morning that was in a car wreck a few years ago and said her skull was laid open she had brain damage she was not expected to live and man she was just as perfectly normal in every way That there was, you couldn't tell that there was any problem and she said it was because of the word she got hold of the word and she believed the word and stood against all of those uh, symptoms and praise God she's just doing great is that lady in here who are you where are you identify yourself stand up show everybody what a healed person looks like Isn't that great? Praise the Lord. I'm sure that there's many people in here that could stand and testify about how that the Word of God has set you free. And you know, a lot of us don't really understand and appreciate this, but getting hold of the Word will prevent sickness too. You'll walk in supernatural health and who knows what has been prevented because of people getting hold of the Word of God. And so praise God. You don't always have to wait until you're under attack and something terrible is happening. You can walk in the Word of God and prevent problems in your life. And I believe that that's even better. So we've been teaching on the subject of healing. Let's turn over to uh, Matthew chapter 7. And I want to share some things with you this morning that this is one of the most important things that the Lord's ever spoken to me about any area but specifically about healing. Of course, I say that about a lot of stuff. If you watch my programs, I'm saying this is one of the most important things, but everything I teach is important. I mean, it. I, I don't teach any stuff that I don't think is important. It's all good. This is really, really important. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus was speaking. I hate to skip... Down, but I need to, or I'll preach on all of these verses. In verse seven, Matthew seven seven, it says, "Ask and it shall be given you; seek and you shall find; knock and it shall be opened unto you." Now that is a simple scripture. If you seek, you find. If you knock, it's it's opened unto you. It's promising us results, and yet I bet you that every person in here at some time or another has asked. And you didn't receive. You've sought and you didn't find. You've knocked and it wasn't open unto you. So immediately this produces a conflict. Here's what the word says. Here's the promise of God. And here's results. How do you reconcile the two? And religion has gone to great expense expense to uh, try and explain this away. And say, well, this means you have to keep on asking and keep on knocking and keep on seeking. And, yeah, and it's talking about perseverance. And they'll couple this with uh, Luke chapter 11 and some other things. I'm not going to take time to turn over there. Or they'll say sometimes God says no. and He doesn't answer every person. And yet the very next verse, verse 8 says, "...everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be open." Really, there is no good way around this scripture. This scripture is promising you results. If you seek, you find. If you ask, it's given to you. If you knock, it's opened unto you. And this isn't just for a few people, it's everyone that asks receives. And yet, here again is this same problem. Here's the promise of God, but here's our results. How do you harmonize the two? And this is what I want to share with you this morning. If you can understand this, it will really, really help you to understand what's going on in between when you say, Amen, and there it is. And most people don't have a concept uh, that there is a spiritual world that exists. They, ha- they don't have a concept that there is any such thing as time or distance with God, You'll often hear people, I mentioned this last night, but there's a lot of theologians that will sit there and say there is no such thing as time or distance. And they come up with these concepts about God that if you go to scripture, it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit what's recorded. I'm going to show you some things that will challenge some of your theological concepts uh, today. But people just think that if God wanted to heal a person, if God wanted to set you free, then boom, just like that, it's done. There are no such thing as time restrictions anything on God. That is not what the Word of God teaches. There is a time in between when God moves and when you see a physical manifestation of what God does. Now, it can be a very short period of time that looks like it's nearly instantaneous or, uh, you know, miraculous like that, but there's many scriptural examples of God moving and releasing His power, and yet it takes a period of time before what God has done in the spiritual realm to come to pass in the physical realm. And most people don't understand this. So here's what I'm saying is that when you ask, God does give. But whether or not you see what God has done manifest isn't an indication of whether or not God answered your prayer, but it's an indication of whether or not you were able to receive what God gave. God always gives. But there are things that can stop what God has in the pipeline for you from coming to pass. And most people don't understand this. They don't understand that we have authority over this. And so they just sit there and look at the results. And if the results aren't what they want, well, then they assume that God never moved. You know, on our program last week, I was using the example of of a water faucet. And a person may want water out of that faucet. And they sit there and they, you could just stand there and put your cup under that faucet and just wait. And you could pray and you could call the uh, utilities company and say, Please, I need water. Please turn on this water. And you could sit there and you could die of thirst waiting on that water to come. And that water could only be inches away. The truth is that the utilities company has put the water into the pipes. It's right there, but there's something that you have to do. You have to turn that tap. You have to release What has been done. And when you turn the tap is not when all of a sudden the utility company rushes to supply you with water. The supply is already there. You just haven't learned how to appropriate it. You've got to learn that there is something you do that releases what the utilities company has already provided. Likewise, God has already provided your healing. He's already provided everything, but there's things that you can do that can either release it or hinder it. You, can, you could just barely open that tap and you could have a drop come out. You could open it a little bit more and have a little trickle come out. You could open it all the way and have a flood come out. And it's you that controls how much is coming out, not the utilities company. Likewise... People can receive instantaneous healings. People can receive gradual healings. People can get just a tiny drop of healing. And they wonder, why did God do this? And they just assume that the results is all because God caused this. That's no more true than the fact that some people get a lot of water, a little bit of water out of a tap because of the way that they control that tap. God doesn't control who gets healed. You do. That's better preaching than you're listening. Turn over to Daniel chapter 9. Let me show this to you out of scripture. In Daniel chapter 9, in verses 1 through 3, Daniel began to start praying a prayer. He was seeking specifically wisdom or revelation about what Jeremiah had prophesied about there being 70 weeks to the Israelites' captivity, or 70 years. Seventy years to their captivity, and he was asking God for revelation on what this meant. And in verse 3, Daniel chapter 9, verse 3, he says, And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said... And he begins to pray a prayer in verse 4. And if you read this, he's basically just saying, God, you're righteous, you're just, we forsook your covenant... Everything that we're getting is what we deserve, but I'm asking you for mercy. And he was just pleading with God for mercy upon the people. And he prays all the way down through verse 19. I'm not going to read all of those verses, but look in verse 19. He says, O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do. Defer not for thine own sake, O my God, and for the city and for thy people are called by thy name. And in verse 20, and while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain I my God, yea, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, this is talking about the angel Gabriel, the same one that appeared unto Zacharias and Mary, he says, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. And he informed me and talked with me and said, "Oh Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. So here's Daniel praying for an answer to his prayer. And it says, while he was still speaking, if you were to read this prayer, it takes somewhere around three minutes to read this prayer. And so here he is, like three minutes into his prayer. While he was still praying, an angel, Gabriel, shows up, And begins to explain to him what he was praying about. Now that's awesome. That's what we all want. We want God to interrupt our prayer. And while we're still praying, here's our answer before we even say amen. That's what we would all love to have. But look at this, what Gabriel goes on to say in the very next verse. It says in verse 23, At the beginning of thy supplications the commandment came forth, and I am come to give thee... Uh, "...to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved, therefore understand the matter and consider the vision." So, Gabriel, when he appears, says, "...at the beginning of your supplication." God gave a command for Gabriel to come answer his prayer. Now, here's something that will mess with some people's theology. They think that if God does something... That there is no such thing as time or space with God. That if God does something instantly, it's done. This is a scriptural account of God commanding an angel to go answer a person's prayer. And it took approximately three minutes. He says at the beginning of the supplication, God gave the command. And he didn't come until the end of the supplication. So it took about three minutes for Gabriel to show up. And the scripture doesn't reveal to us what was going on. We don't know if Gabriel had to pack a bag, get his toothbrush if he couldn't find his toothpaste. I don't know what he was doing. Maybe he was on the other side of the, uh, of the earth or the galaxy. And it took, you know, three minutes for him to cover 10 million light years. I don't know what was going on. The scripture doesn't explain. But it does make it clear that God gave a command. And it took about three minutes for what God commanded in the spiritual realm to manifest itself in the physical realm. And this sets a precedent that God answers, God moves before there is physical proof and manifestation of what God has done. The Bible says in John chapter 4 verse 24 that God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and the truth. God moves in the spiritual realm. There's not only a spiritual realm out here, but there's a spiritual realm on the inside of you. The real you is a Spirit. And everything that God gives you, He gives it to you through the Spirit. Things don't come from the outside in. They come from the inside out. When you get healed, it isn't God's healing out there somewhere. That's the way it was in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, God Himself lives on the inside of you. According to Ephesians 1 at 19, you have the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwelling in you. You don't need God to stretch forth His hand and come and touch this body and go and lay your hand upon this person. We have the supernatural healing power of God on the inside of us and it just needs to be released out of us. There's a huge difference between those two. But God's power, He's in the spirit realm. And whether God's power and His reality ever manifest itself into the physical realm is not dependent upon God. It's dependent upon you. God is a spirit. God moves in the spirit realm. Whether his movement in the spiritual realm ever manifests itself in the physical realm is dependent upon what you do. You are the physical ones. You have to take by faith. Faith reaches over into the spiritual realm and takes what is spiritual and makes it physical. This is basically what uh, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 is saying. It says, uh, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The word substance means tangibility. You know, this has substance. Anything that you can touch is substance. Faith gives substance, tangibility of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, And the evidence of things not seen. If you were in a courtroom and you were producing evidence about something, you would have to show something tangible. You can't just say, well, uh, in the spirit I feel like this. That's not evidence. Evidence is talking about something that is tangible. Faith gives tangibility to things. So, in a sense, it's like here's the spiritual world over here, and this is where God's power is. And faith is like the bridge that allows things that are in the spirit to come over here into the physical realm. And God can release healing. Matter of fact, he has put healing on the inside of every one of us. We have the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwelling on the inside of us. And yet that power has to cross this bridge of faith before it can produce physical, tangible results. And the problem is most of us or over here, and we are only looking in the physical realm. And if the doctor doesn't confirm to us that we've been healed, then we can't believe that anything's happened. We don't understand that there's a spiritual world out here, and there's things going on in the spiritual world, and that God has placed supernatural healing power in our spiritual man. We only look at the physical world and examine the physical world. And if we can't see something in the physical, then we think that nothing has happened. Everybody following me? But here is an example of where God spoke and gave a command and it took about three minutes from, what, from when God first answered the prayer for there to be any physical evidence that that prayer was answered. And it could take three days. It could take three weeks. It could take three years. The precedent has been set that God moved, but there was a period of time before There was a physical manifestation of what God had done. And praise God, to Daniel's credit, he kept standing in faith and praying and believing that God was answering his prayer even when he couldn't see something that was happening. Now go to the 10th chapter of the book of Daniel and here's the same man praying a prayer. And the reason I like to use these scriptures from Daniel as an example is because if I tell you about how God's answered my prayers and tell you about miracles that I've seen and things, well then people just... They tend to think, well, you're different. you got more faith than I do. You're a preacher. Things work different. God loves you more or something like that. But here is the same man praying. And after this miraculous encounter with Gabriel, and I didn't take time to read the rest of the ninth chapter, but if you read it, it's one of the greatest prophecies in the Bible about Jesus. It says exactly when Jesus, the Messiah, would come and that he would be killed. It was a very clear reference. It was one of the greatest prophecies of the Old Testament. And he got this tremendous revelation. You would think after something like that, he would have been stronger in the 10th chapter than he was in the 9th chapter. And yet, in the 10th chapter, he got worse results than he got in the 9th chapter. So that's the reason I like to use Daniel, because, see, this shows that it's not just certain people have special inroads unto God. The same person, even after a miraculous encounter with God, could experience worse results. And that's what happened with Daniel. So in Daniel chapter 10, in verse 1, it says, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar. And the thing was true, but the time appointed was long. And and he understood the thing, and... and, um, and he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. Now, in the ninth chapter, he prayed for three minutes. In the tenth chapter, he prayed for three full weeks. And he not only prayed, but he fasted and prayed and afflicted himself. In verse 3, it says, I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth. Neither did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled." And so this time he prayed for 21 days, not three minutes, but 21 days. And I won't take time to read all of this, but in verse, let's go down to verse 10. It says, And behold, a hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto them I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling." So here's the same man praying. In the ninth chapter, it took three minutes, and he had a miraculous answer. In the tenth chapter, it took three weeks. Has any, had that ever happened to any of you? That you've prayed and something seems to work just like that, and then you pray again, and if anything, you should have gotten better results, and yet it just seems like it drug on forever. Why is that? Why does God answer prayers sometimes in three minutes and sometimes in three weeks? See, the answer is He doesn't. Now see, most of you, I could have taken a line of thinking right here that most of you would have just gone right with me and I wonder why God answered that one prayer instantly and this other prayer took three weeks. God didn't answer one prayer instantly and one prayer in three weeks. Look at the very next verse down here. He said... Uh, In verse 12, Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you did set your heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. Here again, on the very first day of his prayer, God sent this messenger. God commanded his answer. And it doesn't say what part of the first day, but since Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, I just choose to believe that it was at the beginning of his supplication, the same as it was in the ninth chapter. And so God was the same in both instances. When Daniel started praying, God instantly answered both prayers. But in one case, it took three minutes. In the next case, it took three weeks. But God wasn't the variable. Man, that is major. That is major. That is big. I don't know if you understand how big that is. But there are people that are sitting here and, God, why did you answer my prayer last week and it only took minutes? And this week I've been praying all week long and nothing's happening. And you immediately assume that because there isn't any physical manifestation that God hasn't done anything. I'm telling you, God is a spirit. God moves in the spirit realm. God commands and releases his power. And whether you see what has gone on in the spirit realm, manifest itself in the physical, is not an indication of whether or not God has answered your prayer. The Bible shows us that when you ask, you receive. When you seek, you find. When you knock, it's opened unto you. God answers every prayer. God has never failed to answer any person's prayer. God has never failed to move. God always moves. It's like that water is always in the pipe waiting on you just to turn the tap and release it and receive it. God has never failed to answer a single person's prayer for healing or for other things that are according to His Word. He has always given. But there are things that go on in the spiritual realm in between the time when God moves and when you see a physical manifestation that can short-circuit, can stop the power of God, and you have to know what's going on and know how to deal with it. So here's what the messenger went on to say in Daniel chapter 10. Uh, Let me read this again in verse 12. He said, Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you did set your heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one in twenty days. That means that the battle was joined from the very beginning of this prayer and Satan, the prince of kingdom of Persia, had withstood him for twenty-one days. This isn't physically talking about the man. I believe it's using it in the same way that Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 24 did. It's talking about the demonic power. There are demonic powers that are assigned the locales to certain nations and to certain cities and things like this. And he had a demonic power that was in the spiritual realm fighting this messenger. Now this brings some more questions up. And this is going to counter some of y'all's theology again. People think that if God wills something, it's just done. That nobody can withstand it. Here's an example of God sending a messenger... And a demonic power withstood him for 21 days. There's people that don't understand that there is a war going on in the spiritual realm. And it can hinder things. You know, we live in a fallen world. To me, this is so clear. I just don't understand why people struggle with this. But we live in a fallen world. God does not control everything that goes on in this world. And again, there's a lot of theology that I'm countering right now because there's a lot of people that believe that God controls everything. Nothing happens without His consent. That's not true. God's not the one that's killing people. God is not the one who's causing problems. God doesn't do this. And you know what? You are going to have problems in this life. And people can hinder what God is wanting to do in your life. There was an instance when uh, Jim Baker and Jimmy Swaggart went on trial, you know, and got in trouble. This is I forget when that was now, but it was a long time ago. And when they went on trial, did you know my income at that time was somewhere around fifty, sixty thousand dollars a month, and our income dropped forty thousand dollars when Jim Baker was exposed, and people were writing in and saying, "You're probably just like Jim Baker. You're one of these." Uh, you know, guys that's just begging for money and and you're misusing it and building air-conditioned dog houses. And they just lumped me in to the same category as Jim Baker. And my income went down $40,000 a month. That wasn't because I was guilty of anything. I didn't do what Jim Baker did. But people just all of a sudden, their trust and media ministers was shattered, and they lumped me into that same category. And my finances were affected, not because I had done anything wrong. It wasn't because I wasn't seeking God. I hadn't quit praying and studying the Word and ministering the Word, but my finances were affected because people's confidence in media ministers were shaken. And so I had something happen to me. I live in a fallen world, and I didn't get mad at God. Like, God, why did you make this happen? God's not the one that controls people like that. Did you know when we have national emergencies, uh, David will verify this, that when the tsunamis hit four or five years ago, did you know our finances tanked? Because Christians were so interested in these tsunamis and everything that were happening, they were watching the news constantly. They weren't watching the programs, and so out of sight, out of mind... And they were being pled with to give money to relief for this. And that is a godly thing to help people when you see them in trouble. And so people diverted the money that normally would have come to our ministry and they put it into other things. Every time there's a national crisis, if there's a hurricane that comes up or something like that, our tendency is for our finances to tank. And it's not because God did it. It's because God influences people, but He doesn't control you. He doesn't make you give. And people get influenced by things that go on in this world and it affects me. I don't get mad at God if my finances go down. God doesn't control that. And yet there's people that just think that God controls everything. If you have a pain in your body, I have all kinds of things that hit me. And you know what? I just believe God and speak to it and go on. And I don't sit there and think that something terrible has happened, that I'm I'm guilty, that Somehow or another, I've done something terrible and this is why I've had this pain. This is why I had that. I just live in a fallen world and, man, things happen to you. It's like walking through the barnyard. You're going to get some stuff on your boots and that doesn't mean that you did anything bad. It just, you live in a fallen world, things are going to happen. I don't struggle with that. I don't know why so many people just automatically think that if something goes wrong, God, why, didn't, why did God do this? Why did God allow this? We're the ones that started this world on a collision course. We're the ones that took our authority and empowered the devil. We're the ones that released sickness. We're the ones that released death. God doesn't control those things. Now, God's power, if we will cooperate with Him, can help us to overcome them and we can walk in victory. I'm not saying that we are just subject to whatever's going on, but I'm saying I don't have any problems with understanding that Satan is alive and that Satan is trying to hinder the things of God. That's not a problem to me. And in the spiritual realm, I know that when I pray, based on the scriptures, if I ask, I receive. If I seek, I find. God has given. God has released His power. God is faithful. But if I don't see an instant manifestation, I look at things like Daniel here and recognize that there could be a demonic hindrance. Satan can be fighting against that. If I pray for something and don't see a manifestation, I don't doubt God. You will doubt God if you don't understand that God doesn't just sovereignly control everything... and that there is no such thing as opposition... and if God wills it, it just happens. There is no such thing as time or space with God. Those make great theological statements, but you can't prove it. God spoke to Gabriel and it took him three minutes to get there... whatever was the problem. God spoke to this messenger in the 10th chapter... and it took 21 days because there was demonic opposition... What would have happened if Daniel would have quit praying? What would have happened if on the 20th day he had said, that's it. I spent three minutes before and I got an answer. This time I've been nearly three weeks, I quit. Well, according to everything we know from the scripture, the Lord does exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that works in us. He has to have a person to flow through. God always has to have a physical human being here on this earth that he flows through. If Daniel would have quit praying on the 20th day, then even though that this battle had been raging and it was just about to be won, and the messenger was on the verge of breaking through, from Daniel's perspective, nothing would have ever happened. He wouldn't have ever seen this. He wouldn't have got his message. And from his perspective it would have looked like, well, God didn't even answer my prayer. When the truth was, God was answering his prayer. There was just demonic opposition, and he quit before he won. Likewise, brothers and sisters, every time you have ever prayed for anything, if you've prayed for healing, God has released healing power into you. But that doesn't mean it's just an automatically manifest. There is a devil out there who is fighting against this. And sometimes you have to stand. And stand your ground and allow things to work out and allow the power of God to work and overcome these things. And many of us quit right before we break through. I can guarantee you there are some of you that quit while your answer was just about to break through. You missed it by seconds, you missed it by minutes. (laughs) You missed it by days because you just quit and gave up because after all, you didn't see anything in the physical and if God wanted to, he could just do it. That's not what the scripture teaches. Here's two examples I've given you of God speaking and yet it took time and in one case, there was a demonic messenger that stood against what God had commanded to happen and was fighting against it and, and um, it hindered what God wanted to do. In the New Testament... Things are different for us. Now there's still opposition and there's still the spiritual realm and just because God moves doesn't mean that there's instant manifestation. But in the New Testament, we have authority over the devil. Daniel didn't have authority over the devil. If the Lord would have shown him what was going on in the spiritual realm and that there was this this opposition going on, Daniel couldn't have done anything about it. He didn't have the ability to rebuke the devil. And so all Daniel could do was just stand and stand and stand. And keep in faith and not doubt. That's all Daniel could do. And you know what? That's all that most Christians think they can do. Most Christians just pray. And either they they do one of two things. Either they quit and give up because they haven't seen the physical manifestation. And they think that because they haven't seen it, nothing is happening. Or they will just stand and stand and continue to believe. And basically win by default. The devil throws everything he's got at him, he's resisted as long, and they didn't give up, and so they just win by default. And eventually the devil has to leave. It says when Satan tempted Jesus that when he had ended all of the temptation. In other words, he threw everything he had at Jesus and Jesus was still standing, and so Satan just had to leave. And this is what a lot of Christians do. They allow the devil to just fight them and fight them and fight them and they don't take their authority and so they just stand and stand and stand. And if you stand long enough, you win by default. He threw everything he had at you and you're still believing and praise God you get your answer because you didn't quit. Now that's better than not getting an answer but you know in the New Testament there's even a better way. And that is take your authority. Don't doubt that God has given you your answer But if you aren't seeing a manifestation, then assume that it must be because Satan is somehow or another hindering you and start praying in tongues, ask God for wisdom and revelation, take your authority, find out what the problem is and get rid of it. And you can shorten that manifestation period of time. You know, one time I was praying for a ganglion cyst on my hand. And I had a watch that the band was an expandable band and it would cover up that ganglion cyst. This is when I was in Childers, Texas. And it just kept getting worse and worse. And I had, a, I had prayed over it and spoken and asked uh, for healing and believed God for healing, but I just kind of ignored it and I would put that band over it and you couldn't see it. And one time I was praying and as I was walking and praying, I felt that thing. and it just And this is right when the Lord showed me these scriptures that we were talking about. And the Lord spoke and says, I've given you that power. And Satan is just hindering this thing. And you know, Satan can hinder you through your own doubt and unbelief. And uh, he says, you just need to persevere. You need to get in and fight this battle and get it done. And so I just spent about three hours one night just praying. And I mean, I took that thing and I looked straight at it. And I spoke to that cyst. And I spoke and I commanded and prayed. And I prayed until, I mean, I prayed for three hours and I was worn out. I finally quit. But I just stood there and fought this battle. And when I got up in the morning, that thing was gone. It's never come back. But you know what? I could have just let that thing on. And if I hadn't quit, if I hadn't given up, well, then it would have eventually manifest in a year or two years or who knows what length of time. But I was able to shorten that by just saying, I'm not going to put up with this. And I got into prayer and intercession, and I got to binding that thing and rebuking it and speaking my faith and speaking in tongues and building myself up. And I was able to see this come to pass quicker. We can do that if you understand this. If you aren't praying... ...to get God to do something... ...but you're praying because you believe God has moved... ...and if there hasn't been a physical manifestation... ...then it must be Old Slewfoot... ...someplace that is involved in this thing... ...that is hindering the things... ...and so you stand there and pray. Here's an example of what we were talking about. I, I preached this about, I don't know, 30 years ago. And I was preaching... ...and a friend of mine had been trying to sell his house... ...and at that time in Colorado it was a depressed market... ...houses weren't selling... ...and it was really a bad time to be selling a house... He had had his house on the market for two years for sale by owner. He didn't want to go through a real estate person because he wanted to get all of the uh, finances for himself. So it was for sale by owner. He had had that for sale sign in his yard for two full years. He heard me preach this, and he realized what he was doing. He thought that because nobody had come to buy his house, God hadn't moved, God hadn't answered his prayer, and every morning he got up and and basically voided his previous prayer, thinking, well, nothing's happened. So he prayed and said, oh, God, please sell my house. And so the first thing he did was to say, Father, forgive me for doubting that just because I couldn't see my house sold, forgive me for doubting that you've spoken to people and that you've been moving. I believe that from the very first day I put that sign in my yard that you spoke to somebody and I don't know where the hindrance is, but I'm going to pray, and I'm going to get rid of it, and I believe that what you have already spoken to people is going to come to pass. So he didn't know how to pray, so he prayed in tongues, and he just interceded, spent a couple of days interceding. And after two days, a man came to him and had cash and said, I want to buy your house. So they went right down to a title company to sign the papers, and as they were signing the papers on his house, this man said... Did you know two years ago, the very first day you put that sign in your yard, I told my wife that's our house. And he said, for two years I have been trying to buy this house, but it is supernatural the things that have hindered me. He says the person that was going to buy my house didn't have their finances in order. And he says it was just like a domino effect. There was four or five things that happened. And he says the strangest thing, two days ago, Everything changed. Two days ago, he says the person that was going to buy my house came with cash and bought it and then I got all my stuff together and he says, it's just amazing the way it worked out. You know, the truth is God had spoken and answered his prayer two years before, but God isn't going to buy your house. God has to use people and Satan can hinder your prosperity if there is another person involved in your prosperity. Again, I go back to the example of our ministry. I'm seeking God, and God provides my needs, and God's taking care of me, but God uses people. And if there's a major crisis, if if somebody was to come out and somehow or another impugn my character and stuff like that, Satan could use things like that to stop people from giving. And my finances could decrease, not because God isn't faithful, but because Satan is hindering through people. If people are involved in your prosperity then your prosperity can fluctuate, not because God isn't blessing you, but because Satan is coming against those people. And you have to stand against that. And you have to take authority over that and do something about it. If you have a business, and if you are selling a product, did you know that all of the fear that is being spoken, and people talking about hoarding and recession, it could affect your business? And it doesn't mean that God isn't your source and that God isn't supplying. It means that all of this unbelief that's being spoken is affecting your business. And so what do you do? You pray about it and you take authority. Those people are still going to buy products from somebody. And so if if people are withdrawing and holding, well then pray. Call them in from the north, the south, the east and the west and command them to come to your store. And speak blessing over your store, And you know what? You'll still prosper, but you have to deal with it. Just like this man did about his house selling. God was working on people. He had spoken to them, but Satan was hindering this man's prosperity through two and three people down the line. They were struggling, and he had to pray and, in a sense, bless them and get them prospering so that he could prosper. Amen. Well, that is really powerful. And it's amazing how people miss this. I'm telling you, God has blessed you. God has already commanded every blessing upon you. Healing is yours. In the spirit realm, God has already moved. And if you haven't seen healing manifest, it's not because God hasn't given. It's either because Satan is directly hindering this, or it could be that you're wavering in your faith and you aren't providing a good uh, conduct, something that conducts the power of God, and you got to get rid of the unbelief in your heart or something like that, but don't ever doubt God. God always, 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 always releases His power. God's will is always there, but that does not mean you are going to see a physical manifestation. You've got to deal with with the hindrances, whether it's hindrances inside of you or hindrances outside of you because other people are involved in what you're praying for. Amen? This is one of, the biggest, one of the biggest mistakes that people make. When you teach on healing and they get absolutely convinced that it's God's will to heal every single person, one of the first things they do is go out and they just start claiming. Well, you know, I'm claiming healing for my children. I'm claiming healing for my husband, my wife, or whatever. And we are just speaking this. And we take it as if it's a personal thing. And because we're so strong in faith, we don't recognize that that other person has a part to play in receiving. And if they aren't believing, you can't get a person healed off of your faith completely. You can help a person. I, I liken it to this. If a car is in neutral... I can push it. But if you put it in park or put your foot on the brake, I can't push it. I need at least minimum cooperation. Don't resist me. And if a person is just weak, well then I can help them to get healed. But you know what? If a person is disbelieving, I can't overcome their unbelief. In the sixth chapter of the book of Mark, it says that Jesus could do no mighty work, verse 5, because of their unbelief. Not because of his unbelief. Jesus didn't have any unbelief. But their unbelief stopped Jesus from doing what he wanted to do. You put that together with Matthew 13, 58, it makes it clear it was their unbelief that was the problem that stopped it. So Jesus couldn't overcome other people's unbelief. Jesus had to have a response of faith. Look at this in Mark chapter 8. And here is Jesus operating in this same principle that I'm talking about. In Mark chapter 8, And in verse 22, it says, And he come to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands upon him uh, again, put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up, and he was restored and saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town, nor tell it to any in the town. Now this is really a unique passage of Scripture. This is the only time that you see Jesus taking somebody by the hand and leading them out of the town. Jesus was in demand. Jesus, everybody was wanting to see Jesus. Jesus didn't have time to just go for a stroll He didn't just grab this guy by the hand and take him out of town because he just wanted to get out in the countryside and enjoy the day. You know, if you'd use your head for something besides a hat rack when you read the Bible, you could get a lot of good stuff out of the Bible. Why would somebody who was so busy and thousands of people trying to see him, why would he take time to grab this man by the hand and take him out of the town? Well, you could read about this in the 10th chapter of Luke, and there's other places where Jesus said, Woe unto thee, Chorazin, woe unto thee, Bethsaida, which verse 22 says this happened in the Bethsaida, for if the mighty works that had been done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented a long time ago in sackcloth cloth, and ashes. But it's going to be more tolerable in the day of judgment for Sodom and Gomorrah than it is for you. In other words, Bethsaida was one of the two most unbelieving resistant places that Jesus mentioned. There was a curse placed upon them. These people were full of unbelief. And here is a... Man, I'm just saying all kinds of things that most people don't think this way. But the unbelief of other people around you, the atmosphere that you are in, affects your ability to believe. This is why Jesus put all of the people who mocked him out and went in and raised Jairus' daughter from the dead with only the parents and two or three of his disciples there. He got rid of the unbelievers. You can see the same thing happen with Peter. He got rid of everybody. Every person who raised a person from the dead sought seclusion because the unbelief of other people around you can affect your ability to function. And today, we just live in a society that is full of unbelief. It is very ungodly. It is very antagonistic towards faith. And some of you don't even recognize it. And that means that you certainly aren't taking a stand against it. But it is a very ungodly atmosphere. And if you are just into this world, if you, if your favorite show is the same favorite show as the unbelievers, you're being polluted and don't even know it. You're having unbelief come unto you, and it's affecting your faith, and you are... You're being overwhelmed by it and don't even realize what's happening. I'm telling you, the unbelief of other people can affect you. Jesus sought seclusion. And the reason he grabbed this man by the hand is because Bethsaida was one of the most ungodly, unbelieving places he had been. And Jesus would not have been able to manifest this man's healing if he didn't get him separated from all of the unbelief of these other people. Again, I refer to Mark 6, 5, where it says he couldn't do. Not that he wouldn't do, but he couldn't do many mighty works because of their unbelief. You have to separate yourself from unbelief. This is one reason that, you know what, I understand people stay in dead churches. Well, let me rephrase that. I know people stay in dead churches. I don't understand people staying in dead churches because it's hurting you. I talked to one woman today who wanted me to pray for her, and she says, I'm one of those that's been in a Baptist church for 30 or 40 years, and I'm trying to believe God for my healing. And I said, that's one of the problems right there. She says, they teach against it and say that this stuff has passed away with the apostles, and now here you are trying to believe something contrary to what you've heard your whole life, and it's hurting you. And yet people do it all of the time, and they don't understand that it is a hindrance. Man, we hadn't, you aren't so far along that you've got the luxury of just dragging these ball and chains behind you and think you're going to win the race. You need to get rid of some weights. You need to go to some place where they're preaching faith. You need to go to some place where it's going to build you up and challenge you and instead of going, well, I'm going to change this church. Hey, I've been the pastor of three churches, and I tell you, it's a miracle for the pastor to change the church. It's not going to happen with you changing the church. All you're going to do is sow discord in that church. That's not the right way to do things. Man, some of you are in dead churches, so dead that one time a friend of mine said he went to a church that was so dead that a guy died. They called 911 and they carried out half the congregation before they found the dead person. You need to go to some place where there's a little bit more life than that, amen. Jesus took this man by the hand and got him away from the unbelief. But even though he got the man out of the town, he realized he hadn't gotten all of the town out of the man. And so, this is the only time recorded in Scripture that when Jesus prayed for someone, ministered healing to him, he says, tell me what you see. Jesus asked him, what did you see? Now, just think about this. Was Jesus asking because he didn't know if God had healed? No. Jesus knew what the Father's will was. He knew he had the power of God. He did not doubt that God's power had been released, enough power to see this man healed, but it's the same principle that I'm talking about. Just because God moves, just because God's power is present doesn't mean that there is going to be a physical manifestation. Satan can hinder that. Satan can fight against it. And the unbelief of this town of Bethsaida he realized, was still affecting this man. And so he basically just asked this man, Where are you? Is it complete? He wasn't doubting what God had done, but he was asking how this man was receiving. Boy, there is a powerful truth in that. And that shows that, see, when just because God moves doesn't mean that there's going to be total manifestation because it has to go through that person. And that person's unbelief and fear can negate what God is doing. So he asked this man, what, what do you see? Well, the man opened his eyes, and he could see, men as trees walking. He couldn't see clearly, but he could see something. You know, I prayed with a man one time who was totally blind. It's a long story, but my faith really wasn't up to him being healed. <laughs> I tried to discourage him from, from praying, because he had just gotten born again that night, and he wanted to be healed. He was totally blind, had a stick out in front of him. And I was telling him, you need to just wait, and you need to pray, and you need to build your faith. And he basically said, what's the matter? Don't you believe God can heal me? (laughs) So, kind of put me on the spot. And I said, okay, I'll pray for you. So I prayed for him and commanded his eyes to open. And I was getting ready to tell him, now look, if you don't see immediately, you know, the power... And he just started saying, he says, I can see the clock on the wall. And he could see the cord coming down. He couldn't see clearly. He couldn't read the clock. But he could tell that there was a clock on the wall. And he started seeing things. And I tell you what, even though that wasn't a perfect healing, he got everybody excited. People started standing and clapping and praising God. And I mean, just the fact that you could see a person who had been totally blind. I mean, his eyes were glazed over. He didn't have pupils. And he could instantly start seeing that got people excited. My point is that when this man could see men as trees walking, Jesus prayed for him again. What was Jesus praying? was he saying was he saying something like uh, well, it didn 't work the first time let 's pray and see if God'll do it the second time. No, just the fact that this man could see men as trees walking, you could tell that the power of God was there, but it just wasn 't complete. The principle was that if Jesus would have just left this man alone and allowed him to go on, you know what? He eventually, if he wouldn't have quit believing, if he would have just stayed in his faith, he would have eventually seen the full manifestation. It's like speaking to that fig tree in Mark chapter 11. He cursed it, and it was the next day before it was totally dead. But it was dead the moment he spoke to it from the roots. It just took a time for that to manifest. If this man would have kept believing, he would have eventually have seen healing. But... This man was struggling with unbelief. That's the reason that Jesus asked him this in the first time. This man was riddled with unbelief because he lived in an ungodly society. And so the Lord asked him, is it complete? Not has God moved, but how are you receiving And when the man was having trouble, Jesus prayed for him a second time with the logic that if you can stand one dose of the Holy Ghost, you can't withstand two. So he just gave him another shot of the Holy Ghost. And this time, this man saw everybody clearly. And then he told him, he says, Don't go back into the town, nor tell it to any in the town. Now think about this. This man lived in that town. He says, Don't go back into the town. He says, basically, forsake your house. Walk away from your family. Walk away from your friends. Don't go back. This is severe. Why would God give an instruction like that? Because the unbelief of those people would have hindered him if they would have stayed in the town. And even though he got out of the town, he could tell that there was still some of the unbelief of that town left in this man. And if that man went back and plugged into these unbelieving people, he'd lose his healing. Jesus told the man in John chapter 5, Go and sin no more lest a worse thing come upon you. And he had healed this man of being lame. You can lose your healing. You can have Satan steal from you and take away what God has done. And so Jesus told this man, Don't go back into that situation. And so Jesus had to administer things and instead of just praying and letting it go, he prayed until he saw a physical manifestation. Now, you're going to have to think with me for a minute to get this. But it is more faith to pray for something. Like if you had a ganglion cyst on your arm. It's more faith to just say, in the name of Jesus, be healed, and then stick it behind your back and forget it. That's more faith than to pray and look at it. And if it doesn't look perfectly healed, then you say, Oh, no, I wasn't healed. God hasn't done anything. That's not good. So it would be better to pray and say in the name of Jesus, I believe I'm healed, and then just strap that thing behind your back so that you don't have to think about it and focus on it and you don't get any unbelief from it. That's better, but the best would be if you know God, I know that the moment I pray, I receive. If I ask, I receive. If I seek, I find. If I knock, it's opened unto me. I am not doubting that you've done it, but if I don't see results, I am not going to allow this to just drag on for days and weeks and months and years I know it's not you that didn't give, it's me that hasn't received. It's either my unbelief and so I'm going to pray and build myself up or it's a demonic hindrance that's coming against me and I am not going to allow the devil to slow this down. And so the best would be if you could look at that thing, pray, and then immediately look at it. And if you don't see it gone, don't doubt God, but just get in and start fighting and taking your authority and make it leave. You have the power to do that. But you know, very few people can do that. Most people, if they pray for a pain to leave and then immediately they search, and if they still have the pain immediately, they think, well, God hasn't done anything because they don't understand that God could move and it takes a period of time before what God has done to come to pass. And so most people just try and pray and then ignore the situation and wait until you wear the devil out and win by default. But there's a better way, and that is to understand that God has given it to you, pray and make it come to pass. Let me give you one last example, and I'll quit with this. But I taught on this in Childress, Texas. I went and rented an auditorium. This is when God gave me this revelation about 1976. And um, I taught on these exact things, and then I encouraged people to come forward. And let me just say, I can't do this today. All right? All right? Every time I preach on this, people want to just have me go home with them and spend 10 hours praying over them, and I hadn't got time to do it. So the principle exists, but I'm not going to spend time with every one of you today. But anyway, this was a small crowd, and I taught on these exact things. And we had a boy come forward who was 17 years old, and he was blind in one eye. And so I just taught about how God always gives. It's not God who doesn't give. It's us that doesn't receive or it's Satan that hinders it. And you can shorten that period of time in between when you say amen and there it is. You can take your authority and command it to come to pass. So I used this guy as an example. And I just prayed over him, commanded his eye to see, and then I asked him just what Jesus did. I said, can you see? And... I covered up his good eye and had him look out of his bad eye, and he couldn't even see light out of it. I had to turn his head towards my finger. I said, How many fingers do I have up? He couldn't even see it. I had to turn his head. He couldn't see a thing. And immediately, most of the people just moaned and groaned because they saw something contrary to what the Word says, and they just immediately thought, Well, he's not healed. And so, what I did was dismiss the crowd, and I said, Those of you that struggle with this, just leave. We don't want any people around that don't believe. And I said, those of you that believe, stand here. And if you've understood what I'm talking about, we're going to stand and pray until we see this manifestation of this. And so there was about 15 or 20 people standing around. And we prayed for this guy for nearly 30 minutes. And every five minutes, I'd stop. We were praying in tongues. I'd stop and I'd cover up his good eye. And I'd say, how many fingers do I have up? And he couldn't even see my fingers. And I was just really struggling. And I was saying, God, I know this is true. And I said, what's the hindrance? Why aren't we seeing this manifest? I know that you released your power the moment we prayed. What do we have to do? And I had this thought come to me. He doesn't need a healing. He needs a miracle. And I'd never thought about the difference between a healing and a miracle. And I was thinking about this and thinking, is this God? Are we supposed to be praying for a miracle instead of a healing? And while I was thinking about it, Don Crow, who is my associate pastor... He said, God just spoke to me and said, he doesn't need a healing, he needs a miracle. And so, man, I knew this had to be God. And so I just stopped and I said, what's wrong with your eye anyway? And he said, when I was a baby, he said, I had an infection and they surgically removed the lens and the retina. I don't even have the parts of my eye there to see. And I said, man, you don't need a healing, you need a miracle. And so then I cut my hands over his eyes, and I said, in the name of Jesus, I command a lens and a retina into this eye. And I spoke my faith over that. And then I covered up his good eye, and I said, how many fingers do I have up? And he says, one, two, and he could see, and God opened his eyes. Hallelujah. And you know what? God's healing was already there. And I still don't understand fully the difference between a healing and a miracle, but I know that that was a word from God. As we prayed, God gave us a key. We spoke, and we saw His healing come to pass. And it wasn't God. It took 25 minutes. It it was us that took 25 minutes to overcome our unbelief, to overcome our things and do whatever, and you just pray, and God gives you a word, and you see things come to pass. And since that time, I couldn't tell you how many times I have prayed with people and made healings manifest. And some people think, well, you arrogant thing. You can make God move. No, God moves by His grace. But I know that God has already moved and already given me this power. And if we don't see it manifest, it's not God who hasn't given. It's us that hasn't received or there's a demonic opposition. And all i got to do is get into prayer and start speaking. And we can make the healing power of God manifest. This is what Melinda has taught all of these prayer ministers. And see, this is what they're doing. Through the prayer ministers down here, we have more time to pray with you. And I know after I teach on this, somebody's going to want me to spend all afternoon praying with you, and I'm not going to do it. Amen. (laughs) I'm sorry. I know some of you think that's terrible. I had a person one time uh, call us in our hotel room at three in the morning, and their daughter had died, and they wanted me to pray for them. And I said, well, Melinda... We'll pray with you. And she said, oh, I've already called Melinda. Melinda had already been talking to him, but they wanted me to pray for him. And I know some of you don't understand this, but I said, look, if I, if I get up and I went to bed about one o'clock and I said, if I get up at three and go to praying and, and stay up all night ministering to your daughter and stuff, I said, we've got services the rest of this weekend and all of the hundreds and hundreds of people that are coming, I won't be able to minister to them. And I said, I can only do so much. And I had to just tell this lady, I can't do it. I said, we've got staff members that will pray with you, and they're there. But I said, I am not able to go pray with every person. I don't care if it's somebody being dying. I know some of you don't understand that, and you think that's terrible, but one person can only do so much. I am not their Savior. And I cannot be there for every one of you. So I'm not going to do this this afternoon. Don't come ask me. But I'm saying this principle is true. That you can pray and know that God released his power. And if you haven't seen that power manifest, it's not God that didn't give. It's either you that's struggling with unbelief, which is allowing the devil to hinder it, or it is a direct demonic attack. And either one of those can change. And you, through your prayer and intercession, can stop those oppositions and you can shorten it and make what God has already done Manifest. Boy, that is powerful. And if you understood that, it would make a difference in your life. Amen? Oh, that's awesome. You know, if you aren't born again this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to receive salvation. And if you aren't baptized in the Holy Spirit, I want to give you an opportunity to receive that. But what I want to do first of all, let me do this. If you have understood, if the Holy Spirit spoke something to you today, and now you understand that just because you haven't seen something doesn't mean God didn't give. You now believe that God gave, and it's either just the devil that is hindering it, or it's your own unbelief or ignorance that was hindering it. And if you're ready now to take a stand and to build yourself up or to resist the devil... Then I want to pray with you and help you to just manifest this healing. Once you get this idea, you can make what God has already given you manifest. And it's no longer you just asking God, you're ready to, this lady's ready to receive. Amen. You know, if that's you, if you're ready, I want you just to stand right where you are and I'm gonna lead you in a prayer, and we're gonna take our authority and we're gonna see this power of God manifest. Praise the Lord. You know, if you understood what I was saying correctly and this is a revelation to you and now you're ready to stand, well, no wonder we've not seen greater manifestation. If there's this many people that haven't understood this and have just been waiting on God to do something instead of believing that God has done His part, now we need to take our position and make it come to pass. Father, I thank You for all of these people. Thank You for these truths. I believe that the Word of God has brought faith to us faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god and i believe that your faith has risen up on the inside of us father first of all we repent for doubting that because we haven't seen something for doubting that you've moved father we now receive this truth and thank you that the moment we pray from the first day you sent the answer that father you answered our prayers Thank you, Father, that you have been a faithful God. And forgive us for doubting you and wavering on that. Now we confess that we believe we receive when we pray. When we prayed, you sent the answer. You've already commanded the messenger. The healing is already released. Father, we believe that it's ours. And now we take our authority. And in the name of Jesus, Satan, we command you to stop. We break these demonic things that have been hindering the manifestation of God's power in our life. Satan, we break your curse now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Boy, there's many of you right there that this was a demonic thing. Karen, that was demonic. It's broken. It's broken in the name of Jesus. We speak in Jesus' name that these demonic things are broken now in the name of the Lord Jesus. And Satan, you have no right, no power to hinder us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Boy, in the spirit realm, I see demons just fleeing out of this place. All kinds of demons leaving. Thank you, Jesus. And Father, if the problem is in us, if it's been our our wavering and us being occupied Father forgive us for letting this world and the culture that we live in pollute us with the unbelief and the lies and the doubt Father we repent of it we turn from it Father we pray in tongues we build ourselves up on our most holy faith and we believe we are just going to stand and command all of these physical things in our body to manifest the healing power of God Father, we thank you and we just drive a stake in the ground and we are standing here and not giving up on the fact that you have already given, that you have already done it and we refuse to go by what we see or feel. We believe that in the spirit realm, your power has been released. It's now flowing in us. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you and we believe that from this time forth, our health springs forth speedily. Yeah, Father, we see quick manifestation. We thank you can, we are shortening the time in between when we praise you for the complete physical manifestation of our healing. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, it's powerful anointing flowing. I believe that you receive. Let's just start praising God right now. and believe that you've received those things from God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, that's awesome. I believe that many of you have already seen manifestation right now. And if it isn't complete, it's in the pipeline. You, you maintain this attitude of faith. And you're going to see physical manifestation, complete manifestation of what Jesus has already bought for you. Amen? Praise God. You can be seated. Is there anybody here who needs to be born again? If you aren't absolutely sure about your personal relationship with God, you need to be. It would be a shame to get your body healed and then go to hell. What a waste. Man, it's more important that you be born again. And if you are born again, then you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You are not going to be able to get into faith and stay in faith without the quickening power of the Holy Spirit. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's many things that happen, but one of them is you get to speak in tongues. Speaking in tongues is a powerful thing. And when you speak in tongues, you know what? It's foolishness to your mind. It makes no sense. And most of us live in the natural realm, and we're captivated. We're captive of the carnal natural realm. And one of the ways you break free is by by speaking in tongues. It makes no sense to your brain. And for you to continue to speak in tongues for 30 minutes, an hour, two hours, you have to put your mind on the things of God. You have to get out of the flesh and into the spirit. It's just like flipping a switch that starts making you flow in the supernatural power of God. It's one of the greatest things you can do to make yourself sensitive to the things of God. So if you were born again, but if you don't have this baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, you need to receive that. Is there anybody here that doesn't have that and you'd like to receive it? If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Here's some people down here. Anybody else? Here's others. Quite a few of you. We've had, I don't know, but maybe 150 people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit in three services. And praise God, there's still people here that would like to receive You know, if you raised your hand, I'd like to ask you to get up out of your seat and come forward. And we want to pray with you right now and help you to receive. Just come forward right now and let us pray with you. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Boy, this is going to change your life. It's going to change you. You know, I'm going to minister to them, but let me say that if any of you want to go to that uh, Bible College meeting, they're probably going to be starting within the next two or three minutes. And so, if you wanted to be involved in that Bible College meeting, please uh, go there. I think it's out and to the right. Is that correct? Anybody remember? Anyway, somebody out there will tell you where to go. It's right over this way, and. You need to go check that out. That's very important. Man, this could change your life. You know what you're getting at these meetings is just about 1,000th of what you get in a Bible college and just the fact that it's concentrated you sit and let it soak it makes a huge difference on your life it will totally change this atmosphere of unbelief that most of us live in it'll it'll make a big difference so if you're interested please take advantage of that the rest of you I'm going to uh, be through in just a little bit you won't miss much Amen. but it's important that you receive what God has for you is there anybody here who's not born again before you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit you have to first of all receive the giver of the Holy Spirit which is Jesus you must be born again is there anybody who's not sure that you're born again here's one right here praise God brother we're going to pray with you first and then you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit later anybody else you need to be sure there's a lot of people that think well I'm a good person I go to church but that doesn't make you a Christian sitting in a church doesn't make you a Christian any more than sitting in a garage makes you a car you need to be born again Anybody else that wants to pray and make sure that you're born again? Anybody else? All the rest of you saved? You know it? Amen. I'm not trying to talk you out of it. You just got to know it. Amen. Well, brother, we're going to pray with you first. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. Jesus has already paid for your sins. He's already really forgiven your sins, but you receive it, You have to make Him your Lord. That doesn't mean that you're saying I'll never do anything wrong because you can't keep that. But you're willing to make Him the Lord of your life. You're willing to turn your life over. you willing to do that? I tell you what, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'd like everybody to pray with me so he won't feel like we're just all listening to him. And if you will say these words and mean them in your heart, it's not magic, but if you mean it in your heart, then you'll be born again. Is that a good deal? Awesome. Let's say this. Say, Father, I'm sorry for my sin. I believe Jesus died to forgive my sin. And I receive that forgiveness. Jesus, I make you my Lord. I believe that you are alive, that you now live in me. I am saved, I am forgiven in Jesus name. Amen. You believe that? Welcome to the family, brother. Awesome. That's awesome. You've just been totally changed on the inside. You know, you're still a man on the outside, but on the inside, you're a new creature and you'll spend the rest of your life trying to figure out what's happened to you. That's awesome now all of you here are born again and you are all the temple of the holy spirit is what the scripture says so god created you to be a temple for the holy spirit that's what he created you for you don't have to doubt will he give me the holy spirit that's what he made you for he wants you to have the holy spirit more than you want to have him so we don't have to beg some people teach that you got to have all sin out of your life and you got to be holy and If you've got any problems, God won't fill you with the Holy Spirit. That's not true. If you could get holy without the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't need the Holy Spirit. The very fact that you have problems means you're a prime candidate for being filled with the Holy Spirit. So there's no unworthiness that's going to stop you from receiving. It's just a matter of you've got to believe. And believe that God wants you to have the Holy Spirit. So we're just going to pray a simple prayer. I'm not going to beg God. And we're going to believe that God fills you with the Holy Spirit. And then our prayer ministers are going to come up here and they're going to lay hands on you. Because the Bible says that when you lay hands on people, the Holy Spirit was actually released into their life. And so we're going to ask, they're going to lay hands and release this power and anointing of the Holy Spirit to come into your life. And then I want you to quit asking and just start thanking God. That his word's true. He said, if you being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So we're gonna ask, and and you just need to believe and start thanking him that he gave you the Holy Spirit. I don't care what you feel like. I want you to take a step of faith and start thanking God for having the Holy Spirit. And then those of us that have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we're gonna start praying in tongues. Because the Bible says that when you pray in tongues, you're giving thanks. So we're going to start thanking God by speaking in tongues. And when we start speaking in tongues, you can speak with us. And I know some of you think, well, I don't know how to speak in tongues. What do I do? You can't talk in tongues with your mouth closed. You got to open your mouth. You can't, you got to make words. And some of you think, well, I don't know what to say. You know, I believe that God spoke through me today, but he didn't take my mouth and make it talk. I had to think of the words, I spoke, but I believe that God inspired what I said. It's the same thing when you're praying in tongues. It's you that's speaking. The Bible says, Acts 2, 4, they spoke with tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Just as I believe God inspired what I spoke, but He didn't force me to speak it, God is going to inspire you to speak in tongues, but you have to speak. It's you that talks in tongues. So you've got to speak and just by faith believe that the Holy Spirit is inspiring it. And at first, you'll be shocked and wonder, is this really a real language and stuff? But I promise you, after you do it for a while, it'll just flow out of you and you'll realize that it's not you. It's the Holy Spirit that's giving you this ability. But uh, anyway, I've got more to share about it, but I've got a book that will explain it all to you and I'll give that to you. But this is what we're going to do. And if you're ready, you can speak in tongues right now. Is that a good deal? Fair enough. Amen. I like that. So everybody, the Bible says that believers will speak with new tongues. I want you to say, I'm a believer. And I will speak in tongues. Father, I thank you for all of these. Thank you that they are now born again. That in our spirit, we are a temple for the Holy Spirit. You created us to fill with your power. So Father, we welcome your Holy Spirit now. We open up the doors of this temple and we welcome you, Holy Spirit. Come into our life. Come fill us. Come live in us. Give us power. Quicken us. Father, we welcome you right now to release the power of your Holy Spirit in our lives. And we lay hands on them now in Jesus' name and say, receive the Holy Spirit. We loose this power into you in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, we believe that your power and anointing is flowing through every one of these right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Now, I want you to begin to start thanking God. Let's start thanking God out loud. You can thank Him in English if you want to, but thank Him that you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, that your word's true. Thank you that I am now God-possessed. Thank you that the power of the Holy Spirit now indwells me. Father, we thank you for it. Those of you that know how to pray in tongues, let's start praying in tongues right now. And Those of you that came to receive, you pray in tongues with us right now. If you don't know what to say, you can try and say what the person behind you is saying, but your tongue is going to be different. It'll be unique to you you can't say what they're saying but once you start talking don't quit you got to
1: open your mouth to pray in tongues thank you jesus joshua that's the power of the holy ghost all over you brother Boy, most of these are speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues. Isn't that awesome?
0: You don't understand what you're saying, but man, your father does. Your spirit is praying. Your spirit is bypassing all of the doubt. And the unbelief
1: that's in your brain, and you're talking straight out of your born again spirit. What's oh, powerful? Oh, that's the power of God. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you,
0: Jesus. You're never going to be the same. You're going to be stronger than horseradish. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Let me have your attention here for just a minute. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you know what? I want to make sure that you get the full benefit out of what's happened. You know, when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in spoken tongues, I didn't feel anything dramatic. It was something I, I worked for. I believed for it. And I didn't feel a great emotional thing. Some people do, but I didn't. But you know what? I have learned how to use the power of the Holy Spirit. And I mean, it's made major difference in my life. And so whether you spoke in tongues right now or not, I believe that God gave you the Holy Spirit. But you need to go ahead and speak in tongues. And I had a lot of problems about it, but I wrote it all in a book. And the Lord explained this to me and showed me how to overcome it. And I'd like to give every one of you a book about what's happened because you need to understand what's happened to you. There's more that's happened right now than what you understand. I can promise you that. This is powerful. This could be the second most important thing outside of being born again that has ever happened to you, but you've got to understand it to get the full benefit. So I've got a book that I want to give you. We've got people that will pray with you and answer any questions if you have any questions about it. And right here is Ashley. He's the man in the blue shirt with his Bible up. And if you will follow him, he's going to take you to a room, give you a book. They'll answer questions. They'll help you any way they can. So please just follow him. And we want to give you this book and see you receive the full benefit of what God's done. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thanks, brother. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Man, isn't that great? We have seen a bunch of people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit this week. That's great. Awesome. If you need prayer, these are our prayer ministers, and we are going to have them stand here and pray with you. And the things that I was teaching today, they've heard, and they believe this, and this is part of the training that they went through, and they are here to pray with you and to help you. So if you need prayer, I'd like to ask you to get up out of your seat and come forward right now, and let one of our prayer ministers agree with you, amen? Please come forward if you want prayer right now. We've been praying for a lot of people. Maybe you all have already got it. Plus, we prayed right before we gave that invitation for salvation and baptism of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've already got it. But if you need prayer, that's what we're here for. Just come and let somebody pray with you.